previously on Film Code. Once again, the guys cannot crack the code. Film Code was green. Um, it was a comedy film from the year 1990 to 2000. And one of the stars in the movie had a breakout role. And uh, one of the stars from Shrek had a breakout role in that movie. I am going to go with uh, 1999's Bowfinger with him and Steve Martin, which obviously fits the time period, fits the clue. Um, and the reason I think it is green um, is because it is directed by Frank Oz, who is Yoda. Directed by Yoda. <laughs> Phoenix? Uh, you know what? I had the hardest time uh, with this. Uh, I really didn't have a pick, so I'm actually going to steal Nathan's. I'm going with Bullfinger as well. That's the only You're so thing that lame. Makes You're sense. so lame. I, I got to like, piggyback off yours. I, 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 it, it is what it is. If I was you're going down, pick. I'm going down with you. Yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we might all be going down together. <laughs> I just want to say that you are all wrong. Oh, um, it was 1994's Jim Carrey's The Mask. Cameron Diaz had her breakout oh, role in that. Come on. How did they not get that? That's so The mask was green. Right, right. <laughs> I, I expected you guys to get that like that. Wow. Directed by Yoda is a better clue. <laughs> With another week in the hole, can Phoenix's new code word finally pull them out of this drop? So my code word this week was Oscars. It is a movie from 20, uh, 2010 to 2000, I'm oh, sorry, 2000 to 2010, sorry. Uh, it is a ensemble cast and it is a musical. Plus, the guys discuss their top 10 Pixar films of all time. And a review of the Jordan Peele original, Get Out. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. Nice. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Film Code. We are back once again. I'm not even going to guess which episode this is because we just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I'm Phoenix Cloud and I'm joined once again by three excellent co-hosts uh, here and happy and hungry. Apparently it is Nick Spain. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well, Phoenix. Thank you for the, the shout out. <laughs> Cheerios are the, the breakfast of choice today. Um, Super happy to be on episode X, whatever episode <laughs> this is, um, and to be talking about our movie of the day. Yes. Yes. A very exciting one we're going to get into in a second. Also joining us today, he is looking spiffy, if I do say so myself. Brandon, how are you, sir? I'm good, Phoenix. How are you guys? It's good to be back on again. I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Um, gosh. Um this movie is just so great. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Um, it's another great week to talk movies. Um, we have some great discussions for you guys and great topics. So be sure to stick around. Absolutely. And also joining us, he has fitted out too as well. He told us what it was, but I have no idea what he said. So I'm going to let him say it again. Uh, Nathan Pig, how are you, sir? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, another week. I don't know why I'm thanking you. I'm a regular as well. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, thanks for thanks for everyone being here. Thanks for clicking and listening. Um, something was going on with my headphones, so I didn't quite hear what you said. What, what was it that you asked me? I, I was asking you to uh, remind everyone what your outfit was again, because you said something. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm wearing it. It's uh, such a grout. Uh-oh. You're cutting out again. I mean, your audio went out, sorry, when you said Bloopers. My goodness. All right. So I'm wearing a very gray outfit. My pants are the exact same color as my jacket right now. So for those of you on audio, uh, you won't be able to see that. But here it is. So, you know, that's it. Anyways, you uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd. (laughs) I I might be. I I don't know. Why don't you come over and, and check it out? Oh, that was, so that was you can follow me on Letterbox at Nathan Pig, <laughs> and just excited to to talk movies. So let's get into it. Yes, yes, we all are. Uh, because uh, we forgot. Well, we should mention it is October, which means it is the month of Halloween. Uh, we are all super excited about that, and we were debating since it's Halloween, what is a great uh horror movie that we could talk about and of course you know we had to go with probably my favorite uh definitely nathan's favorite and that is get out by jordan peele uh i adore this movie to pieces so i was super excited to talk about it and to see it again because i actually own it on dvd so i was like this will be a perfect opportunity for me to rewatch it uh real quick uh, whether you watched it recently or or when you saw it originally in 2017, what was your first impressions? Brandon, go ahead, kick us off. I actually didn't see it in 2017. Oh, um, did you nor see 2018. Um, mm-hmm. I actually saw it the same night I saw Us. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I never got I never got the chance to see Get Out until like last year. So um, I I was in the theater. I watched Us. I'm like, wow, Jordan Peele freaking amazing director i should watch get out tonight i literally watched it that same night <laughs> and i ended up loving get out more than um us actually yeah so are we are we dipping into reviews now or no just wanted your initial reaction uh oh, oh yeah nick. no i absolutely i absolutely loved it nick what about you um so for me the first time that i watched this movie was kind of a little bit tainted. It was like on TBS or like oh. Fox movies. <laughs> so it had all the commercials and I wasn't doing anything that day. So I was like, well, screw it. I'll just sit down and watch it. So, uh, you know, two hour movie ended up being like three, three and a half hours. Um, so it's, it's whatever, but it, it's a, it's a great movie. Um, I think a, a rewatch would, would see if it was better than us, but, but for me, Jordan Peele, us is 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 still my favorite. All right, Nathan, go ahead, man. I know you. <laughs> you you, know wanna, how you I definitely want to talk about this. Yeah. You know how I feel about this movie, Phoenix. Um, a long, long time ago, back in the early episodes of this show, we did our best of the decade, and um, I put this as as number one in the best of the decade, and I I still stand by that claim. Um, I think that this is just one of the one of the best movies ever made to, to be quite frank with you. There's no wasted scenes. Um, some of the twists and turns that happen that we'll talk about here shortly are just 
incredible. And um, on my birthday earlier this summer, my family and I, we had like, it was my choice on my birthday to, for what to watch. So I could pick any movie that I could get to watch with the family and I chose Get Out. So um, that in and of itself should tell you, you know, how much I enjoy this film. So just an absolute masterpiece in my mind. And I'm excited to talk about spoilers. Absolutely. Uh, I saw, I did see this way back in 2017 in theaters. Uh, I'm not, I, I can't remember if I went with someone or if I was by myself, but uh, I, I, I walked out of this movie just stunned because I was like, you know, I, I was a big Key and Peele fan. So I used to love watching their sketch show. And uh, when I found out that Jordan Peele was doing a, a horror movie, I almost, almost laughed. I was like, I was like, I didn't have really many uh, high expectations. I thought this would be a funny movie since, you know, he's so uh, deep into comedy. So to not only find out that it was a, an actual horror movie and that it was really actually quite profound, I was I was really blown away. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and I just recently watched it again last night since I own it uh, with the director's commentary on it, which I think added a, a an excellent layer to the film just diving in deeper into it uh so without question i think i put this at number seven on my best of the decade list uh that's still super high i know it's it's lower lower than nathan has it but uh i absolutely love this movie i think it's fantastic uh so let's talk about it let's get deeper into it so Nathan, kick us off. Uh, what did you especially like about Get Out? Yeah, I, I guess for, from a spoiler standpoint, for everyone listening, if you haven't seen it, we're dipping into spoilers now. Um, the thing that immediately blows me away is that, and you kind of touched on it, is that this is Jordan Peele's first film. And mm. I can't think of many people that just have – in incredible first movie or one that just knocks it out of the park. Um, I'm sure there are a couple that could come to mind if you really think hard about it. But even if you take the big directors um, working right now, a lot of them have okay movies uh, that they first start off with. Like I really like Reservoir Dogs. That's a movie that I, I gave four stars to for Tarantino's first but then that's not the five star that Get Out is. You know, you look at Damien Chazelle, David Fincher, Denis Villeneuve, like they, Martin Scorsese, they all, even Christopher Nolan, especially Christopher Nolan, like stumble in their first efforts um, to make a film. And for Jordan Peele to, to enter Hollywood, like you said, as, as a comedic person, as a comedic actor, someone who they probably don't take very seriously because of his comedic background. Um, to come out and make a film like this, it, it's just incredible. So whenever I think about Get Out, I think about just an incredible directorial debut from Jordan Peele. Um, so that's that's what I'll say to start. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, um, Nathan and I have been doing a bunch of director marathons. Um, we watched Fincher. You know, I watched Nolan and Tarantino over uh, you know our long quarantine break. And, you know, the only movie that can even, you know, be in the same realm of Get Out is Reservoir Dogs because of just who Tarantino is and how that movie was. But 
you're right. There's no director that comes close, even the best ones working today that have great first movies. Um, something that I would just say about this movie is that it, it just always keeps you guessing. It's always on your feet. Like it's one of those movies where you kind of mentally have to take notes of everything and like say like, okay, I feel like I need to remember this. Okay. I feel like that's important. Um, and I feel like this movie also just, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like it, it put Daniel Kalua on the map. Is that how you pronounce his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daniel. Kalua, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it put him on the map. I mean, I could, I could be wrong. Um, he could have been in, in other big movies before this, but I feel like this movie definitely put him on the map as, as far as actors go. Uh, yeah, I would I would actually agree with that. I'm sure he had other roles beforehand, but I feel like this is the role that put him in demand. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, everyone was like, ooh, look, we got to get this guy in our movie. Like, he had a pretty yeah, great role. Was- he had a pretty great role in Black Mirror. Um, if you've ever right. seen that show, right. uh, 15 Million Merits. He His acting that in that episode is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, uh, Definitely, I, I'd agree. I think uh, he's a sensational actor, especially for him being British and how well he carries like an American accent is mm-hmm. really actually quite stunning. Um, yeah, Jordan Peele to come hot out of the gate like this, I mean, it's unprecedented. Like you said, like you, you just named some of like the best directors ever. I'll throw Spike Lee in there as well. Like his first film, it's good. It's not. It's not this good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's almost like it's almost scary in itself that like, how do you get that good on your first film? Like, and you wrote and directed this, so it's like, that's a lot of confidence and a lot of like mastery of your craft to be that good on your first film. Like, not only that, it's to be nominated for best picture. Yeah. Like, wow, like that, that one's right there is kind of crazy. It's like, I think that's the dream of every filmmaker to be yeah, like right. your first film and you get nominated for best picture and probably should have won. But you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, that's crazy. Uh, well, I do. I do want to make a comment real quick about Daniel Kaluuya. He uh, was in Kick-Ass 2. Oh, really? And he was in Sicario as well in a supporting role, oh, which that's I right. seen. He was in Sicario. Right. Very minor role, None, yeah. Nonetheless, um, I'm sure when he was casted in Get Out, people were like, "Oh, that dude that was in the background of Sicario." Okay, yeah. Um, I, I didn't know who he was at all. <laughs> the the I other knew. thing I want to really touch on with this film is just how many like themes it tackles. You know, it it tackles obviously horror for it being a horror film. It's also this like mental thriller um so which you know horror and thriller typically go hand in hand but it has political commentary in it as well which all of jordan peele's films have had so far and will have in the future i have no doubt um between the three of those and i'm sure there's more i'm missing um it's it's even pretty funny too i mean i laughed out loud at certain times so those four things it it really does so well and i'm sure there's a couple that i'm missing off the top of my head but i was expecting it to be a little more scary the first time that i watched it (laughs) um i watched it with my girlfriend just completely in the dark at night and i just i don't do horror movies very well i get scared very easily (laughs) um that's just not nathan's thing so i was like 
oh no, this is gonna be so scary. And it's really not that scary. It's more of a psychological thriller than anything. And I think that works to its benefit. Um, you know, Jordan Peele wants to scare you with his story instead of just, you know, jump scares around every corner. And and I think that really works for credibility as well. If this film was a good film, but had just way too many over-the-top jump scares, mm-hmm. I feel like his credibility as a director would be kind of limited, but it doesn't do that. That's actually, that's an interesting point you brought up. As uh, I feel like going into this, like I said, Going into this, I was expecting a funny movie. I don't know. I don't know why. Even from like the trailers and the previews, I was like, "Yeah, I bet. I bet it will still be funny." You know what I'm saying? And uh, to me, it's. Uh, I think you're right about like he he doesn't rely on on jump scares and things like that. Uh, but really, what he plays on is stereotypes. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. he plays, he plays on stereotypes, and that's that's where a lot of the humor comes from. Is like, okay, you know, especially like that garden scene, and you just see like people saying the most cringeworthy things they could possibly think of. It's utterly hilarious. But the reason that it's funny is because we all know those stereotypes. We all know, you know, when she's like, oh, you know, is it different? You know, is it better? <laughs> or know, when he's like. Oh, I like Tiger Woods. Right, right. Things like that. Right, just he's like okay. Subtle underlying things that I thought people the say. funniest line. I thought the funniest line was like, "Oh, if I could, I would have voted for Obama for a third term." Yeah, it was <laughs> he's like, just like he's just like sucking up to him, trying like, to gain his trust. But even not even direct lines like that for the stereotypes, like you know the housemaid, you know mm. that they have who, you know, we later find out is the grandmother and with all their whole plan of implanting brains and everything like that, like, we get it. But on the surface, when we first meet the grandmother, I'm sure a lot of people think just like, oh, a white family has a black Ooh, housekeeper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, just stereotypes that they don't have to even say that you just, you know, when you see it. Or even, even at the beginning, I mean, he says to to his girlfriend um you know do your parents know i'm black like things like that so um absolutely that he plays off the stereotype which yeah. works absolutely to this movie's advantage yeah exactly 100 percent. and there was something crazy that i saw on twitter talking about stereotypes is when they get pulled over by the police officer and his girlfriend's like oh you don't need to see his license just because he's black like you know, trying not to, like, get him, the officer to, like, see his license. Somebody right. had said that, like, the whole purpose of, like, her saying, like, oh, you don't need to see his license is because of, like, all the shit that was going down in, like, their house. And she didn't want him, the police officer, to, like, know his name for, like, just in case oh, that came up later. Yeah, yeah. yeah in case, so, like, he went missing and the cops like, oh, I saw that dude. Oh, yeah, right, and they know That's his name. Smart. And he was, he, was with, he was with some white girl. I right. remember her name, too. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. so he wants, exactly, Nick, like, Jordan Peele wants you to think it's like uh, the cops being racist and she's like standing up for him, trying to like fight racism, but that's not what it's about at all. But he wants yeah. you to think that's what it's about. Right. And uh, yeah. I, wa- I watched it with the director's commentary last night and he exactly said that. He said that, like, that whole point was 
so that there would be no record of him. And yeah. and it's so it's so subverting because it's like at that point you believe she's on his side, you believe right. you know, she's not involved in this. So he used that scene and then there's another scene later to really sell that to the audience so that you believe like she's she's really you know, with this guy, and it, it because he does that, the payoff when she, you know, what I'm saying when she's holding the keys, is so good. Like it's rich because we've had all of that build up to where we trust her. Rose, 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 give me those keys. Rose, give me, give me those keys. Rose, now, now the keys. Oh, 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 be careful, bro. What the fuck? I didn't do anything. What the fuck is going on? Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? It's <sighs> But <laughs> like we 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 trust her, and it's and she's fantastic. By the way, Allison Williams, uh, who plays Rose, standout role. Like she's she's really great in this. Which is weird because she is someone that while Daniel Kaluuya has been a hot commodity since this, <laughs> she hasn't at all. Uh, she hasn't she, at all. She played her she played her part so well that people really like are. People thought she racist. Like, like really <laughs> concerned. Like, <laughs> which is terrible because I think she's a fantastic actress. Uh, but it, it really is crazy because she hasn't been in, like, anything relevant uh, I other think she, than this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think she's had a few small movie roles in, you know, mostly television. But, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's I, think, <laughs> I think just something this movie does – the the best thing about this movie is the foreshadowing in in my mind. Yes. Um, when you rewatch it and you already know what happens, just the subtlety of lines that you would think are throwaway lines or filler lines, they aren't. Like Jordan Peele doesn't waste time, and and we talk about certain directors not wasting scenes, but Jordan Peele doesn't waste lines. Right. You know, he even something as simple as like him giving the tour of the house and he says, Oh, you know, my, uh, my father or I, I think Great it was his father or something like that. Yeah. Like lost to Jackie Owens in the Olympics. And to the first time viewer, you might think that that's just, is like a, just a story, you know, people tell stories all the time when they give tours. Um, so maybe it's a story about motivation or, you know, something like that. It was just a very interesting story in, in it of itself. And then later on in the film, you know, he, um, Chris walks outside just to, to get a breath of fresh air and the groundskeeper is just sprinting Charging. at him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you don't think anything of it to connect those dots and until the end and you find out that that grandfather's brain is in the groundskeeper. And that's just it's crazy because you don't realize that you don't think about that. And there's little Easter eggs like that little foreshadowing moments everywhere. There's probably, it's probably does that five or six times. Yeah. And you can Rewatching sit here and say it, like, I, I think it was like more like 20 or 30. Times. It, it, <laughs> and you can sit here and say like, Oh, the, the, the true beginning scene where they like, 
pick Lakeith Stanfield up off the street mm-hmm. is foreshadowing because they don't come back to it for like an hour. Well, yeah, but I mean like le- legitimate foreshadowing where you would think nothing of it the first time you saw it. That's another scene I want to touch on is just I think this is probably the best scene in the whole film, at least in my mind. Um, in in so many great scenes. But, <laughs> right. but I just think it's it's so realistic from the sense that like in a movie where a lot of what they're doing is unrealistic with like swapping brains and everything, I feel like the fact that, you know, um, Chris is in the situation where he feels like he's an outsider because everyone is stereotyping him and, and things like that. So he finally sees someone that he can relate to and he's just so weird to him. He acts like such this, you know, otherworldly person who's not even there, you know, lights on, but no one's home. And, you know, he's telling his buddy about it. Someone's here, you know, you know, that guy, they, they know him. And he's like, yeah, he's being so weird. And he tries to take a picture of him. And I feel like that's a situation that could happen in real life. That happens. We all maybe not try to sneak pictures of strangers, but we at least say like, Hey, we know this guy. He's being super weird. Let me show you. Like Mm -hmm. you need to know how weird he's being. And then when he, when the flash goes off and he's actually screaming, you know, get out. I just, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because that scene is so well done. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! Yo! Chill, man. Get out! Chill! Chill! Chill, man! the fear in Lakeith Stanfield's voice when that happens, it, it's just a fantastic scene in, in a movie full of where full of almost really, every scene is right. like that. Fantastic scenes. Speaking of foreshadowing, uh, in the first scene when it's uh, Rose and um, I forgot his name, Chris, uh, he, when he asks her, you know, you know, do they, do, do your parents know I'm black? And and he says, you know, I don't want to be chased off the lawn with a rifle. And then you see at the end, as he's escaping, she's chasing him with a rifle. Like, <laughs> like it's just such, it's like, like you said he doesn't waste lines. Like that, that right there is like pure not wasting a line. Just that's going to happen. It, it's, it's, it's hilarious how precise this script is. I think too, for, for me personally, like I think us is a great film as well. I love us. Um, I think it's great. I, that's four stars for me, but just comparison wise, I think that get out is a small enough story with big ambitions to where it can be controlled. You know, they thought through all the plot holes. They thought through, well, this wouldn't make sense here where I feel like, although I love, us, and I think us is still a great film, it's so ambitious that there's a lot of uncertainties in the story. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that you can look at and you'd be like, I don't know if I can buy that part. <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking about putting brains in other people. So right. trust me, I'm aware that this is unrealistic, but at least with Get Out, you're like, yeah, the story does a good enough job. 
where I can personally believe everything that happens. Whereas Us, while I still think it's a great film, there are definitely a few things that I can point out and be like, that could use some more clarity. That, I'm not too sure I can believe that. You know, and that's part of the ambitious, uh, the ambitiousness of Jordan Peele. He saw the success of Get Out. He wanted to tell this story of us. And he said, well, let's go bigger and bolder. And, you know, it still absolutely worked out. But I think that Get Out just has no plot holes or, or anything like that that us definitely has. That was the unique thing, I think, about watching it with the uh, director's commentary is like you see those scenes where he's trying to charge his phone and like, you know, it keeps getting unplugged and all of that. And he's basically saying, you know, if you know, if you put black people in a horror movie, like we don't make, I, you know, for the longest time, if you watched horror movies, people make a lot of really dumb decisions in horror yeah. movies. And he's like, he didn't want to create a character who would make dumb decisions. So he's like, he's trying to charge his phone. Cause like, you know, if he needs to call for help, he needs his phone charged, you know what I'm saying? But he, it keeps getting unplugged and he's like, we created that situation so that basically he has his means of escape are limited. You know what I'm saying? Like no one knows he's there. He can't call. He can't make any calls. It's just it's really smart filmmaking. Just you know to create this this sense where this person is trapped and it's it's dire and it's looking dire. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about stereotypes, but talk about breaking stereotypes right there like you just said like this is a, when you just generally think horror movies there's so many bad horror movies compared to yeah. good ones because they just go all in on scare no character development no relevant plot just oh let's throw as much scariness at the screen as possible but this doesn't do that it actually builds out characters like you said they didn't want to make him a dumb character and I don't think any of these characters are specifically dumb. You could look at his friend, the TSA worker, and he's just like written to be a dumb character in general. He's not like a smart guy making dumb decisions that most horror movies do. Right. Like right. he's supposed to be dumb from a humor perspective. And they establish that. They don't establish him as a really smart guy that automatically becomes dumb because they need horror elements. And I just love that, you know, if you would have told me that the comedy director is making a horror movie, I would instantly think exactly that. I, this What we end up getting is the last thing I would have thought we would have got. Right. All right. So. How did you guys feel about the sunken place? I, How did I, you feel about that sequence? I actually, like, it's weird because it's like, I love the concept of it. And I really enjoyed the execution of it. I'm not sure I enjoyed the look of it. <laughs> right? So, like, uh, I just, I, I get it. I think it's a really smart tactic. I think it's, I enjoy the way that they uh, created and, and make it into this real thing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And when he, that, I think, not the first time, but the second time that he goes into it is really, like, haunting like because it's like it's at that point where you realize like all hope is lost right that's your all hope is lost moment and it's just it looks like he's gone deeper and deeper and deeper and it's just it 
this is the unique thing, like that Jordan Peele even said uh, in the making of the movie is like watching this film with uh, black audiences versus white audiences. Uh, I feel like you know if you're of you know what I'm saying I feel like if you're of the modern era, uh, most white people generally look at this film sort of sort of comedically, like you know what I'm saying, like like Nathan said, like oh it's pretty unrealistic, you know what I'm saying. There's there's these elements of of things that could probably never happen. I think that's how most white people look at this movie is like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It could be, could it couldn't really be real, you know what I'm saying? So there's there's more comedy for you guys. Whereas black people saw this and was like, oh no, white people are crazy. This is like, this is terrifying. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, uh, the sunken place was one of those things where I was like, Oh, that's a whole that like that is a true horror like moment in that movie where mm-hmm. it's like, holy shit, that that's that's terrifying. Yeah, I didn't. I I mean, I still saw it as a film that was, you know, deeply, you know, making statements about political commentary and and things like that, social commentary. Um, I think it was like, you know, obviously I can't relate to what it was like being black watching this but at the same time i i feel like i still recognize what he was trying to tell and what he was going for i don't i don't think i interpreted it any differently than than what you interpreted as first time watch yeah um yeah so brandon nick any more thoughts from you guys um it definitely required a second viewing um because you catch a lot of things on the second viewing um I remember I watched it like two months after the first time and I'm like, okay, um, I can pick up on this. When he takes the picture and the guy yells at him to get out, he's not telling him, he's like, damn dude, why'd you take a picture of me? He's telling him to, to get out, like leave. Yeah. Literally yeah, get the exactly. fuck out. Um, there's that. Um, when everyone's asking him all those golf questions and stuff and about how athletic he is and stuff, there's that. <laughs> like, you, well, you don't pick up on the first time because I'm like, wait a minute, they're just asking just like some stupid questions and then they're asking actual, actual questions that make sense as to who's going to bid on to take his body. Yeah, exactly. Like, you would, most people don't buy things that they don't know about. Sure, we impulse buy, but we don't just buy something. We have no idea what it does, how it works. That's exactly what they're doing. They're going to buy. They're all there to see if they want to buy Chris. And they mm. want to see, you know, oh, I like to golf. Is Chris good at golfing? Is his, Ooh. you know, body and his attributes and his physical traits, would I be good at golf if I was inside of him? That's exactly like, what Let me see your stance. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't even right. realize that. Not just, I just rewatched it. Like, yeah, like they're all asking these really weird and deeply cringeworthy questions because they they're looking to purchase him. Like that's exactly like, that's, it's, that's it's what exactly it's exactly like you're gonna purchase a product, whatever right. that product is. You wanna know how it works, you wanna know mm-hmm. what's gonna happen in this, that, and the other. They're going to be Chris. Right. They're going to be Chris. So they wanna know, you know. I don't right. remember specifically any of the questions they ask him outside of the golf one, but Look at look at them. They're all for. I mean, I mean, how can like, this benefit me? Like the the lady who's like who asked so, uh, Rose. You know, is it better? You know, she's significantly younger than her husband, so she's asking for him. Pretty much is like, can I get a better lover? You know what I'm saying? And, I'm like, 
That's well, that's... I'll, I'll take it a step further. The guy that actually ends up buying him is blind. And when right. they first talk, he talks about like how his eyes are so wonderful. And because he's a photographer, he's gotten, he's got a good eye for how he sees, you know, photographers see the world a little bit differently, a little more clearly um, different view than, than normal people do because I don't know, it's just their thing. They see things a little more beautifully than, than we do. So that's why he ends up buying him because he's blind and Chris has got a good eye because he's a photographer. Right. And then one other thing I want to touch on, um, the best character in the movie, Rod Williams, T.S. motherfucking A, buddy. <laughs> I think Rel, Rel really excelled in that. And especially when you're talking about comedy, like obviously Jordan Peele comes from a comedy background and uh, Rel was always meant to be comedic relief. And uh, but his character is actually, you know, he's us. You know what I'm saying? He's that guy on the outside looking in. He has these wild, crazy conspiracy theories. He's not entirely, you know, adapted to the modern world. And, he, you know, saying he just says outlandish things. And it's it normally would just be there to make someone laugh. It wouldn't be anything that you could take seriously. But then, like, this situation happens. And it's just, it's hilarious. And he's like, you know, uh, the scene when, when he finally picks him up and like the first thing he says is I told you not to go in there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's like it's such a it's such an audience moment. Like and I think genuinely Jordan Peele is well aware where comedy and horror really meet is their connection to the audience. When they both when your audience understands what's relatable and what works in timing and and stuff like that. So I think Rel's character was really there just to be our voice as uh, as outsiders looking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have two. I actually have two more points. One, <laughs> uh, that scene with Rose when she's on the phone with Rod and she's like, she's just giving no emotion, but she's like giving it in her voice. Yeah. Oh my God, he's not there. I'm like, what in the hell? And then she's <laughs> eating the Fruit Loops with the milk. Ugh. The fruit, got loops, me too. the fruit loops with the milk is the most frightening scene I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> and like, and, and interestingly, it's for, it's a metaphor in itself, right? She's got white milk and colored cereal separated. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's literally right. It, it, sorry. Anybody who eats cereal like that is a serial killer. Like that. Exactly. <laughs> That's freaking gross. Uh, I just noticed Nick just took a bite out of his cereal without using <laughs> a spoon like that. Thanks, thanks, Nick. Thanks, thanks for being Wait. a visual aid for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. No, but like, yeah, it's just that. Like, that's one of the most horrifying scenes I think I've ever seen. Uh, one thing I definitely want to point out is uh, Jordan Peele's horror knowledge is really really like spot on when you when you watch this i hope you guys watch this with uh director's commentary eventually but um the car that pulls up in the beginning uh that's a reference to a 1970s horror movie called christine christine is a is a car that like chases down people it's like a demonic car or whatever it's the 1970s but like <laughs> like 
that's he. I think to me, what which was so unique about Get Out was that yes, it's a comedy the writer director whose horror knowledge is deep. You know what I'm saying? Like there's references to uh, Christine, The Shining, Knights of the Templar. Like there's really deep horror elements in this where it's like you could only get that from someone who who knows this genre in and out mm-hmm. and uh I, I just thought that that's amazing like his 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 horror knowledge is thoroughly impressive totally well i'm how did you I'm guys feel interested to see where his uh horror genre goes next i know that he's like a producer on that new show that came out um I forget the name of it. Twilight Zone. Uh, no. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Let me pull it up. Yeah, yeah, he's doing he Twilight Zone, but he's... Here, let me pull it up. Jordan Peele. Nope, no, it's Michael P. Jordan. Because it's on HBO. Um, big Mouth? Not Big Mouth. That's on Netflix. <laughs> he's on that. Love, he's Lovecraft actually voices Country. Oh, yes. What? Lovecraft. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I have to check that out, actually. So... Oh, One last thing. How did ahead, you, I want to hear? I, have all of you seen the alternate ending? Yes. No. You've no. not seen the alternate ending. You guys haven't no. seen the alternate. Damn. Oh. All right, Phoenix. How did you feel about the alternate ending? See, I'm torn because the original ending I think is perfect, like for theatrical release, right? I think that's the one you absolutely should have gone with. But that alternate ending I think is just as good. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's it's the more realistic, uh, not realistic, but it's the more gritty ending. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know what I'm saying? Definitely the, the one that you would get if, if this had actually happened. I mean, I mean, because you have the fact that all of the, the whole family's dead. The house is burned down. So all your evidence is gone. And you're the only person who survived. And the police see you choking a white woman the second that they pull up. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like it's it's that's exactly how that would go. And it's it's realistic and it's real and it's gritty and it's hardcore. And oh. with everything that was going on in the movie, I don't think it would have been the right ending for for theatrical release. But I still mm-hmm. love it. Go ahead, Nathan. I'm gonna watch it real quick. You guys talk about it. I'll be back in. I'll be back in four minutes. Okay. Both of you watch it. Both, wait, wait, wait. Both of you get together and watch it. <laughs> We're in different houses. <laughs> oh, eventually, Nick, you gotta watch it. But uh, uh, while he's doing that, I want to talk about one other thing, and that's the score. Uh, mm-hmm. so Michael Abels is the he did the score for both Get Out and Us. Uh, so, like, and apparently he was a first time composer uh on Get Out. So this was the first movie that he actually did. Um. Holy cow. Like, it's so good. It's so dark and so gritty. I personally wanted him to, uh, like, I, I love um, Hildur, Hildur uh, Gutnatir, who won who won the score with Joker uh, last year. I thought yeah. the score was amazing, but, man, I wanted Michael Abels in that conversation for us. I thought it was, I thought his score was fantastic. Well, something that's crazy, and I always appreciate this in film, is when, you can't 
specifically tell when the music's there mm-hmm. you know it's there but it's not like the main focus it's right. like in mm-hmm. the background it adds to like whatever like mood the director's trying to get from yeah. it a great movie from that is um the social network yes by david fincher or zodiac right. um and i think jordan peele's great when it comes to that as, as just adding music in as like little right. flares to help the the, the mood right. you know it's not like overpowering it's not like here's all this great music, listen to it. It's like, you're watching it, the music's in the background, you're like, ooh, this just feels, feels like, scary. It and doesn't then, like, need to be scary, because right, it is. Right, and then you think of certain scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. like, with that sound, like, imagine taking those scenes without the sound in it, and it's like, I mean, it might be good, I think it'll be good, but it's right. not as intimate, it's not giving you that feeling. Whereas you put that sound in and it's tremendous. Like the even just a subtle scene where when they accidentally hit the deer, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the and he goes to check it out. Like there's there's the score underneath that and that and it just adds an element. It's like a extra character in the movie that just adds an element that is utterly terrifying. And like mm-hmm. uh I think the most pronounced it is 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 during the opening credits, and I think it's sensational like then yeah, I mean, because even, it just sets us, the tone like, for the geez. movie but um, I wanted to, to talk about Jordan Peele's next couple films um, at least the ones that have already been mentioned or have already got um, approved and are kind of in the release date so we have Candyman who well necessarily isn't directed by him right, directed by Nita Costa yeah, he's producing it he also wrote the script um so there's also a movie in that same year called Wendell and Wild, another mm. um, horror movie. It's a stop motion animated, Ooh. and it's a dark fantasy horror comedy film directed mm. by Henry Selick, and the screenplay is written by Jordan Peele and uh, Michael Key, and he is producing it as well. So while he's not on the director's chair for both of those projects, um, I look forward to, to both of those films coming out soon. And maybe he'll he'll get back on the director's chair. chair. It just hasn't been announced as of right now. Okay. Interesting. That would be... Because I, I feel like, Phoenix, you talked about Candyman when we were oh, talking yeah. about 2020 most anticipated, or 2021 most anticipated. Yeah, that's a movie I'm, I'm super excited for. Like, I, I love the original Candyman. I think that mm-hmm. movie's the most terrifying thing I've, I've ever seen. Um, still can't watch it to this day. Uh, but I will watch <laughs> the sequel. I, I will watch it because I, I adore that game. You gotta watch the original to get get prepped. I mean I'm I'm I tried to rewatch it. It's it's too dark, bro. Like it's it's dark. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe Nathan and I will will visit that one. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. And like I, I think it's perfect that he's producing it because if you watch Get Out I mean, if you watch Candyman, you'll see elements of Get Out. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. we talked about Jordan Peele. I hate to bring this, you know, full circle, but like, his, the, I think the reason that his first film was so good is the fact that he studied, like, and, and not even just studied, he took from like the greats. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he took from all of the greats. He took from Scorsese. He took from. Uh, you know, Kubrick, he took from everybody and was like, I'm like, if I'm doing this, 
going full full throttle and he went full fucking th- throttle bro like it's great so nathan you just came back you watched the, the the alternate ending what did you think i did um and i won't i won't say what it is for those of you listening that do want to check it out i'll just give my borderline thoughts um i was really excited when you said there was an alternate ending that's crazy i'm i'm usually on top of those things um but I just think it's sweet that there is an alternate ending to start. I think it's awesome when movies do things like that. Um, but I'm glad they went with what they went with for yeah. the ending of the true ending. Um, I think this was fun to see this ending, this alternate ending, but um, I think it's just okay. I think it's just okay. Um, yes, absolutely. It's realistic to what would probably happen in real life, but this is a movie that does not deal in real life whatsoever. So I'm glad they went with what they went with, especially for the character of Chris closes out his chapter and his, his story a lot more wholesome than, than the alternate ending. So um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I wanted a little more from the alternate ending is all, but I'm still glad it exists nonetheless. Yeah. I so, I dig them both, but I think yeah the the original ending the one they went with was the smarter choice. I think it just it's the one where it like we said uh, playing the stereotypes. Like if you had actually you know you're you're playing with stereotypes the entire movie, and if you had actually gone with the realistic, you know what I'm saying, it would have been yeah. like oh, no, I, you know. I <laughs> think- I think also the way that it ends right now in the normal version, it like every, all the action happens, then bam, it's over. I feel like with this alternate scene, you have some time to slow down. You have some time to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. I (laughs) like that it ends. Like it doesn't give you any time to calm down at the end of it. Like, you know, he, he's choking um, Allison Williams out, choking Rose out. And then a minute later, it's over. I like that much better to where you're like, oh, my God, whoa. It's like the ending of Whiplash where they don't give you any time to breathe. Yeah. So <laughs> let's go uh, final scores and, and wrap this up here. Brandon, so, Brandon Yeah, Brandon, go ahead. Um, so upon first viewing, I absolutely love this film. Even on a second viewing, it just cements it as a great film for me. Um, I personally give it a five out of five. Um, Jordan Peele dipping his toes into the directorial of horror. Just fantastic. Um, I also loved Us. Um, he did great with that. So just being able to jump from that to that, um, one after the other, I, I think I think he can continue being a horror director if he wanted to. Um, definitely with how Twilight Zone is going. So Jordan Peele is a fantastic director. Get Out is a beautiful movie. Five out of five. I love it. I just love it. So Nathan. Yeah. Um, frequent listeners to this show know that I'm all over this movie. This is an easy five out of five for me. One of the best things I've watched in 2020, considering all the classics I've watched in 2020, uh, this still is a top three movie for me in the whole year. Absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Easily a five out of five for me. And um, yeah, Nick. Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, the only time that I've watched this movie was on TNT or, you know, Fox with, with commercials. Um, so I gave it a four out of five the first time I watched it um, last summer. So 
it will probably most likely go up to a four out of five or 4.5 or five. Um, so until I get to rewatch it, those are, are my final as of right now thoughts. Uh, it is a shame that this is number seven on my best decade list. Uh, I think it's probably the one of the best movies of the decade, obviously. Um, it's a five out of five for me. Uh, like, that all that means is that there were six other five out of five films on my on my best of the decade list, but uh 100% get out. It is it is everything. It is horror, it is comedy, it is it is foreshadowing metaphor, brilliant score, excellent acting. Why this isn't the best picture winner, I have no idea. I will find out once I re- watch The Shape of Water, but for me, it should have been Get Out. I feel like its importance, its significance, its commentary are all too valuable. So I think it's a fan. I think it's 100%. Uh, 2017, the year where four films could have won Best Picture over. Over The Shape of Water. <laughs> over the shape yeah, of exactly. Because <laughs> we got, um, let me just pull the list up and then we'll move on. We got, uh, oh, wait. Call Me By Your Name. I can name three. I can name three of them right now. Right. Uh, well, I wanted to be official. We got Call Me By Your Name. We got Get Out. We got uh, Three Billboards. I haven't seen uh, Phantom Thread or The Post, but um, I think those are, are well-known films. Lady Bird, I think, hmm. should have been higher than Shape of Water. It's, it's better in my mind. Um so there you go. And I and mean, a lot of people it. like Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Shape of Water is easily a, a bottom three without even having seen two. It could be it could be last when it's all said and done. <laughs> it could be. All right. Yeah, so just we just fall in love with aliens. That's exactly right. what we That's what we all do. All right. Yeah. So we got to move on, guys, to what's good. What's good, what's good, what's good. Been a busy week for some of us. So, uh, Brandon, kick us off. What's been good for you this week? Um, so recently I watched Hubie Halloween. No. Oh, man. <laughs> I, that movie was terrible. <laughs> God damn, that movie was terrible. Um, I actually just recently watched um, the zombie movie starring uh, Cillian, uh, Cillian Murphy, um, 28 Days Later. Mm, nice. I really enjoyed it. Um, there are a lot of jump scare moments where just the zombies just like their scene will be like, it'll get quiet and they're just hanging out. And I know where the glass breaks and you just income zombies I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> so definitely, definitely 28 days later. Um, if you guys are into the horror horror aspect of things, um, it's just a great movie. I really enjoyed it. So definitely 28 days later. Nice. Nick, what about you? Um, so usually Nathan and I always watch the same movies, so I might steal his. Um, but last weekend we watched Patriots Day, um, mm. directed by Peter Berg, Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Bacon, um, John Goodman, uh, J.K. Simmons. Great, great cast. Um, 
is about the Boston bombings um, in 2013. And it's just a, a, I think it's a great film. Um, I think it's pretty underrated when it comes to movies. Um, I don't see it getting a lot of love. It has, um, you know, only like 34,000 people have seen it or logged it on Letterboxd, which is crazy to me. Um, so definitely Patriot's Day. It, it, Patriot's Day is great. Oh, I've not seen that. Nathan, was that going to be your pick as well? It was not, no. Okay. Um, so this week I watched a movie called Triple Frontier. It's mm. a Netflix original. It's got Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam. Um, I really, I really enjoyed this. Like I am not a huge war movie fan, but this isn't really a war movie. It's like a heist movie, um, friend cop film. It's not me by any means. It's actually very tragic and sad, but (laughs) I just had a lot of fun watching this. This is to me, the perfect B plus movie where you sit down and you have a good time. You're like, that was good but it doesn't do anything that like blows you away. You're not going to sit here and say, wow, this is one of the best things I've watched in a long time, but for something that will pass the time and something that you'll say, wow, I really enjoyed this. That's triple frontier for me. It only has a three Oh on letterbox, which is kind of crazy. I think on 2019's ranking, I put it at least decently high. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Triple Frontier. There are some great moments inside this movie, and it's just that perfect B-plus movie. Uh, well, since it is October, and uh, keeping with the Halloween spirit, uh, I am picking, uh, for what's good, a movie that I've loved for my entire life, um, and that is Hocus Pocus. Uh, yes. Starring Bette Midler and uh, Kathy Najimy. I love this movie to pieces. I mean, to pieces. And um, I think like now you could, you, I think it's, I think it's back in theaters. I think they put Hocus Pocus back in theaters. Wow. So if you're, if you're going to the movies, I highly recommend checking this out. Uh, you should also be able to catch it on Freeform or something like that, one of those channels, they're, they're definitely showing it probably all month. Hocus Pocus, can't beat it. One of the best Halloween movies there is. Uh, Actually, right. I almost watched that last night, Phoenix. Oh, dude, definitely. Check it out. It's, it's fantastic. So that's Hocus Pocus, Triple Frontier, Patriot's Day, and 28 Days Later. That's what's good from us, guys. And that's the first time I actually got it all four right. All right, so we're moving on to the questions that we received on Twitter. Uh, We got, I believe, just two. Yeah, just two. I got, I got it. Um, so we received from drunk theory. They're at drunk theory over on Twitter. What scene do you think has the best and worst use of practical effects in a horror film? Brandon, why don't you start us off? Best practical effects in a horror film? Mm-hmm. Best and worst. Why don't we best start with okay. that? Um, I'm going to say the thing. Mm. 
the the thing like for the for the not only the budget that it had but the year it was made the practical effects were very well done um just from the the dog scene to the the the, the legs crawling out of the head scene Ugh. and then you had the final thing like practical effect wise i really enjoyed it i loved it Am I giving my worst now, or do we yeah, just... Sure, okay. Go? No, go okay. for it. For the yeah. worst, I'm going to have to say the first... Not first. The third Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th. 3D. <laughs> oh, that, that, was, that was just a bad movie. Just a bad I mean, at least that's when he gets his hockey mask, but damn. Um, just the practical effects are terrible. You just have... The harpoon scene is just the, the, one of the fakest things I've ever seen in a horror movie. Oh wow, that's terrible! All uh, right, Nick, what about you? Um, probably best comes to mind is Alien. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. You know when the freaking alien just comes out of his chest. Mm. <sighs> but I'm struggling to think of like bad practical effects for horror movies. Oh man, it's it's horror. There's plenty of options. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just trying to think. I don't have one that comes to the top of my mind. Right. As of right now. Mm. I let me come back to it. All right, Phoenix, how about you? All right. So when I'm thinking of the best, I mean there are a lot of really good ones. Uh oh God. But uh I think I'm gonna go with the fly. Uh the original fly uh with Jeff Goldblum, like the, the, the effects that they use to turn him into the fly is so gross. It's ridiculous. Like, it's terrifying how good they get it. Uh, and like, using good practical effects is probably one of my favorite things that we can do using plastics and stuff like that. So I think what they do with, with him is really good. Uh, as far as the worst... Uh, this is not just the worst practical effects in a movie, but I also think one of the worst uh, horror movies uh, ever made, and that is uh, Jennifer's Body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You mean one of the best horror movies ever made? Right, one of the best worst horror movies ever made uh, <laughs> with uh, Megan Fox. Uh, just there's nothing, there's nothing redeemable about this film. <laughs> so I think that's that's the one that comes to mind as far as the worst practical effects I think I've ever seen. Alrighty. Well, best. Um, I'm going to have to just stick with Nick and say alien because we don't, I at least don't watch a ton of horror movies. So mm-hmm. just don't have yeah, a, same. a ton of answers there. Um, so I'll just stick with that. And then for worst, I'm going to go with the babysitter. Um, <laughs> everything about I mean, that they're movie. Like, go, I mean, they're pretty fine. It's, it's fine. It's I mean, terrible. I just, I despise everything about that movie. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that the babysitter for someone that doesn't watch a lot of horror. Those are my series. And then, um, anonymous who anonymous, <laughs> you can follow anonymous, anonymous. I'm sorry. Anonymous, anonymous, uh, WDW ask is mayonnaise an instrument, which is a SpongeBob reference. I'll save us some time and say, Thanks for the SpongeBob reference. So, um, guys, thanks for the questions. Every week over on Twitter, we ask you guys for some questions. 
Make sure it's film related. We'll shout you out. We'll answer your questions. Again, over on our Twitter at Film Code Pod. Please throw us a follow and keep up with the show. All right. So with that said, we're moving on to our discussion. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? through and rank the top 10 Pixar movies in our mind since there's 10 of us since there's four of us and 10 each is going to take a long time so guys why don't we just say a sentence or two about each choice to keep it nice and quick so we're not here all day but um, at least the four of us are going to give you our top 10 list Pixar wise and we'll go around start with 10 Phoenix why don't you kick us off Right. So I said 10 because there are a lot of really good Pixar movies mm-hmm. that I didn't, I didn't want us to fight for the top five. So uh, for me, number 10 is a movie that I, I love and it gets a lot of hate, but I think is a fantastic film. And that is Brave. Uh, I just I, I don't know. I love Scottish accents. So sue me. <laughs> All right, Brandon, you're up. Um, I'm through the list real fast. Um, I'm going to have to say, um, up. What? I, I'm just scrolling through. Wait, no. Okay. Edit, edit that part this, out. This edit is number 10, out. right? Number 10. Edit that out. Okay. Edit that out. Um, Ratatouille. There we go. <laughs> Ratatouille right, at Nick. number 10. Nick, you're up. Um, here, come back to me. I'm figuring out my list. <laughs> My number 10 is Toy Story 3. Uh, I'm oh, going to go yeah. ahead and, and just mute Phoenix. But um, I'm a huge Toy Story lover. I'm surprised this even made it in my top 10. Um, probably just because I love the character so much. But I kind of hate that Toy Story 3 isn't a little kid movie. And they make it about torture and prisoners. And it's just way too, like, the themes don't don't match up with a kid movie at all. But nonetheless, it's in my top 10 because I still love Toy Story. If you didn't cry like a little baby at the end, you have no soul. Not. Okay. <laughs> I don't have no soul. <laughs> Nick, Nick, you got a number 10? Yes, I will go with Coco. Um, I, just saw it for the, I just saw it recently for the first time. Um, very, very good. Very enjoyable. But it's it's number 10? Yes. Oh, this is it's been, be interesting. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen a lot of Pixar movies, Phoenix. Uh-huh. So, um, a, a real list will come come out sooner rather than later. <laughs> All right, 
right, so for number nine, I am going with Inside Out. Uh, I actually love this movie, but you know, there's there's eight other movies that I, I love more. But I think Inside Out is Nathan fantastic. Nathan hates Inside Out. I know he's he psycho. He, he's crazy, but we've established that. So he just doesn't get it. Right. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure I don't. I don't understand a movie made for kids. Right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. All right, Brandon, what do you got for number nine? Um, I'm gonna have to say Coco. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I just recently saw it back in June. It was a good movie. I loved it. But there's so many more Pixar movies that are better than this film. Uh, right. <laughs> okay, Nick. Nick, what about you? Um, I have to go with an OG. The Incredibles. I haven't seen this movie in forever. Um, so it might might go up, might go down, but The Incredibles. Phoenix, wow. at the end of the day, you're just going to – you're going to relate to my list the most. I can, oh, my I God. Can feel it. <laughs> I do want to I do want to lob out a disclaimer for my list. Coco will not be on my top 10 because I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So, no disrespect to Coco. I haven't seen it, so therefore it won't be on a, on my list. Um my number 9 is Ratatouille as well. Uh this is another wow. movie that I just I've just seen it so many times by now that I'm a little sick of it. So, um great movie nonetheless, but if you ask me right now do I want to watch it, I'd probably throw up. So, um I'm just sick of it. Um but Good movie, nonetheless. So, eight, Phoenix, go ahead. Oh, wow. Number eight, I have Monsters University. Uh, I love this movie. I think I think the Monsters uh, franchise, I wish they did another one. I, I truly do, because I, I love Monsters University. I think it's fantastic. Brandon? I have Finding Nemo. Um, I absolutely love this film, but like <laughs> I, I, get, I absolutely love this film. There's just other films better than this one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's, hard to do, it's hard to do a top 10 when there's just, it's, there's so it's many so good Pixar right. films. Oh my God. This is going off the rails. Uh, Nick, go ahead. <laughs> I'll try and bring us back on the rails. Um, my number eight is Wally. What the um, hell is happening? Oh my God. Phoenix, my. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, so uh, my number eight is Incredibles 2. Um, I think this was really fun movie, decent sequel, and uh, I had a lot of fun with this one. <laughs> We're on you can't side. tell me, you can't fault me for putting that at eight. Phoenix. No, you, no you know, hey, okay. Number seven is the original Toy Story for me. Wow. No, I'm done. See ya. See ya. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Phoenix out here lobbing all the shade. Lobbing all the shade and then comes out with that. Unbelievable. Hey, hey, you, you think that was bad? I have the same pick. Toy Story. Yeah. Oh, first my Toy Story. Number seven. Unbelievable. <laughs> what do you got, Nick? I got uh, Monsters University at seven. Okay. Um, <laughs> I saw the I saw this film in theaters actually since it came out in uh, 2013. Wow, 2013 mm. that's crazy. Um, and the the scene where they're like running through the tunnel and the balls like stick to them and like blow them up that's hilarious. I will forever <laughs> love that scene just because of how much I laughed in the theaters during that. Nice. 
my number seven is Toy Story Four. Um, wow. I, I really, uh, Toy Story just in general means a lot to me. I grew up on it, so all those characters mean mean so much to me. And I, I think they did a great job for how long of a time period they took in between films. Um, I'm still not a fan of the ending. I think Buzz and Woody's goodbyes to each other kind of blow. But um, outside of the ending, it's it's a great film overall. So that's number seven for me. <laughs> okay, uh, number six, I have Monsters Inc. Uh, I love I love this this franchise, but man, like I'm sorry, there's five other movies I got to put above it. Monsters Inc. is fantastic in every way. Brandon, what about you? Um, I'm gonna have to say Wally. I love this film. Love this film. But goddamn, there are films better than this one. Oh my god. <laughs> this is gonna be so interesting when we get to the top five. I swear to God. Nick, what do you got for number six? Well, well we'll have up. to go you go ahead. I'm gonna follow up Phoenix with Monsters Inc. at six. There we go. Um great movie. Um yeah. Classic. Well, at the Classic. end, we'll we'll have to just like read our ten through one, each of us, just right. share some continuity to remind everyone. But um, my number six is The Incredibles. I still have a lot of fun with this movie. I just don't love it as much as everyone else does. Um, really? But what do you mean? You I know, put it at nine. Pixar, <laughs> not. I just mean everyone in general. Pixar just has so many great movies, and I think The Incredibles is, is one of them for sure. Top five, baby. What is, what is right. it, Phoenix? Start we, us we, off. We've gotten here, and uh, uh, in my top five is actually going to be The Incredibles. Uh, I actually think it's this is one of the best Pixar films that they've made. Uh, personally, everything just works for it, and it's such a unique family story. I really dig it. So for me, number five is going to be The Incredibles. Brandon, uh, number five for me is actually Monsters University. I love this film so much. It, it so works. It's like it's like. It's a perfect prequel. Mm-hmm. It is the perfect prequel for Monsters, Inc. And it's so funny because, like, even in the trailer for Monsters, Inc. on, like, these old Disney DVDs, they would joke about their college days. <laughs> and it worked because they put in some of that stuff from that trailer into the movie. Nice. And it works. So definitely Monsters University for number five. Nick? I'm, I guess I'm next. Uh, my number five, Finding Nemo. One of the few DVDs that I have um, since I don't own DVDs. Um, so, yeah, Finding Nemo. Yeah, my number five is Finding Nemo as well. I know a lot of people think this is their best, Pixar's best, but um, not for me. I, I think it's a great story. Pixar makes a lot of great movies, but um, just number five for me. All righty. Uh, coming in at number four, uh, this is tough because uh, I really love this movie and I kind of wish I could put it up higher, but I just saw two other ones this year that I love a little bit more. Uh, so number four is going to be Up. Uh, I, I adore most overrated uh, you, you liars, movie of all time. You filthy, dirty liars. Uh, <laughs> up is amazing. Phoenix, um, are, are you one of those people who think that uh, Up should have one best picture? Or even been nominated. It definitely deserved to be nominated. I don't no, know if it, no. if it deserved to win. A Pixar film. 
Yes. Yeah. Up is fantastic. One of the best Pixar films ever made. Brandon. I'm going to have to follow up in Phoenix, with Phoenix on this one. Up. There we go, baby. <laughs> right, more like more like down. Yeah, baby. Not really. Number four. <laughs> another, another thing. If you did not cry when Ellie died. and No. Come on. No soul. No soul whatsoever. No. <laughs> Nick, go ahead. What's your number four? <laughs> I'm just going to let you know right now that Up will not be on my list. You Anybody so... who thinks that <laughs> they should have won Best Picture. Yeah, crazy, man. Number four, <laughs> Cars. Oh, come on. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, come on. Come Phoenix. on. Get, what do you mean? What do you just, mean? Just he loves, he loves, he, he just loves Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, <laughs> who made a- There's, there's three movies that are just better. That That's it. I love, I love this movie. This was, was my childhood. So I guess <laughs> number, number four for me is Monsters, Inc. Um, talk about nostalgia i think this is you know pixar is just so creative i think this is pixar's most creative movie um you know you talk about monsters going into scare kids and that powers their city i think that's just so cool and it's it's a lot a lot of fun watching this movie so since we breeze through those uh those you know bottom six i guess in our top 10 why don't we take a little bit more time talking about these top three um, so okay, to kind of defend, defend your answer a little more, we take a little more time on these. So okay. just real number quick, three, though, just real yeah. quick though, the nominees for best picture in 2010 was avatar up precious, the blind side district nine up in the air, a serious man and education and glorious bastards and the hurt locker. Yeah. Up should have won. <laughs> You're yeah. telling me. Fantastic yep. Mr. Fox, 500 Days of Summer, that, you know. Fantastic Mr. Fox should nominated. have been nominated over Up. I, I have not seen Fantastic Mr. Fox or 500 Days of Summer, so I'll let you know afterwards. However. I mean, also Jennifer's those... Body was made that year. Why oh, that nominated? <laughs> if you're just going to nominate Up, you might as well nominate Jennifer's Body. No. For the same shit. No. Uh, Especially since you've already talked about it, you know you're already showing it love. Oh God, no. why not? Why uh, don't yeah, we just really. nominate? Why don't we just nominate Zombieland and The Hangover while we're at it too? Ugh. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, do, I will say, I will say that Up in the Air should not have been nominated. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean that was a pretty garbage year when it came to movies. So yeah, it really was. Up was fantastic for District Nine. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> said all that so that my number three, <laughs> um, uh, these two. Well, Nathan hasn't seen this one, uh, and I don't. I don't know if Nick said he didn't see this uh, either. But my number three is, without a doubt, Coco. I think uh, I've recently watched this last year. Coco is a fantastic movie, like a fantastic movie. Um, for the longest, up was in my top three this is what knocked it out of my top three. So Coco is amazing. I would watch it again right now. I think it's an awesome movie. Brandon, what about you? What's uh, kicking off your top three? Number three for me, it it was a mix between Monsters, Inc. and The Incredibles. So I had to base this off of childhood memories. Number three is Monsters, Inc. Mm. The heart is there. The comedy is there. The acting is there. The emotion is there. 
my God, this movie just just sends you through like a, send you through a loop, man. This movie is emotional. This movie is amazing. It's beautiful, and it works one hundred percent. And I'm so glad they haven't done a sequel for it because there's no need for it. Okay, so yep. definitely Monsters Inc. Um, the you the friendship between Sully and Mike is believable. Um, the way Sully just like opens his heart up for Boo is just great. I cry at the end when he, as soon as he closes the door, the door goes off and she goes out, oh, tries to go open the door. She's like, Boo, he's got him. <laughs> God, but yeah, definitely Monsters Inc. for number three. <laughs> All right. My number three is Ratatouille. Oh, boo. Oh, <laughs> uh, what are you doing? Ratatouille stinks. Wow. Please, t- please tell me how. I'm sorry. Any, I work in a kitchen, so if I see a rat, I'm out of the kitchen. That's gross. The movie's gross. And the rat makes food. That's gross. It's a gross movie. Okay, and you're telling me a house can get lifted up by balloons? I would ra- I, uh, a house being lifted by a million balloons is more believable than a rat cooking in a kitchen. <laughs> and more believable than monsters. Yep. Oh. Yep. No. <laughs> this film's stinks. great. <laughs> no, it does not. This film's great. Um, Remy, great character, um, and just all the 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 side stories of Luigi or whatever his name is. Um, Phoenix, get out of here, bro. <laughs> and the, you know, the the whole um what's it, what's that guy's name? What is even that called? Food critic. That whole storyline, great. You mean that whole storyline that happens in the last five minutes of the movie? Yep. Oh, okay. Everything, everything's great. <laughs> I want to make Ratatouille one day. So get ready, Nathan. We're gonna have it one day. You mean <laughs> that forced relationship between Raimi and the like other emo Raimi? cook? Raimi, Raimi, whatever Remy. the Remy, Remy, whatever, whatever. The forced relationship. You're thinking of Sam Raimi. Him and the him and the goth girl who's in it for like three minutes. They just randomly kiss and fall in love. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Have you guys seen? Have you guys seen the? Uh, well, two things. One, there's a there's a Ratatouille attraction coming to Epcot like next yep. year, and it looks super exciting. I can't wait for it. Um, and two, there's this TikTok of this guy who dresses his dad up as a food yes. critic. <laughs> it's so yep. funny. Nice. Looks well, 100% like him, and it's so great. Well, getting back on track, um, it's kind of staying in our lane, which leads into my next one. Number three is Cars. Uh, oh, my God. I don't know why everyone hates this movie. Um, I'm glad Nick put it in his top five. Cars is awesome. It's so great. I Maybe people hate it because it's a simple storyline. I don't know what it is, but you talk about – the Talking cars is unbelievable in that Phoenix. <laughs> you talk about the themes in this movie about being humble, like mm-hmm. trying to, you know, not, you know, forgetting who you are, being pushed out. You know, a lot. One scene that I think is really overlooked in this movie is when Doc Hudson like is talking about how he wanted to come back to racing, but they pushed him out because they thought he was too old, even though he still had some back, and that he was basically blackballed by racers around the world i i think that stuff is powerful cars is more powerful 
then Ratatouille oh. will ever be, then Up will ever be, Lies. then Wally <laughs> will ever be. Lies. So yep. <laughs> Cars is just a fun movie. And at the same time, it teaches a lot of great lessons. And while all Pixar movies teach a lot of great lessons, Cars is overhated because of the memes. And that's a damn shame Cars because it's one also, of the best. Also, can we talk about, we haven't even mentioned how great Pixar is for throwing in adult jokes for yeah. all these movies. I remember the line in Cars where they're talking and Mater's like talking about the piston cups. And made her he, did like, his he, did, he did one his cup. That's great. That's great right there. And as a kid, I was like, ha ha ha. <laughs> but now I'm like, ah, he pissed in his cup. Ha ha. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that was that was number three. Yeah. All right. So number two on my list. I can't believe I I I, I shouldn't even have to defend this. Because uh, it is without a doubt one of the best, if not Wait, the best, Pixar movies. I knew somebody was going to say that. I, I bet it'll be Brandon. Brandon will definitely put Onward at number one. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it is Wally. Uh, without question, Wally nope. is fantastic. It is one of the best Pixar movies ever made. Animation is amazing, stories incredible. What you mean with a robot that just, you know, is dead for half the movie? Top notch. Yep. It is top notch. Talk top about force relationship. Notch animation. You're right about the force relationship. I ain't, ain't no denying that. But Wally is emotional. It is touching. It is one of the most beautifully animated films uh, Pixar has ever done. Ever done. Uh that includes the, the movie I have number one. It, it, the animation in this movie is is better than everything that Pixar has done. Um, so for me, Wally tops my list number two. Brandon, what about you? Number two for me is The Incredibles. Um, just another great film. Like I had to base like like I said with the uh, quoting it against Monsters Inc. This film just has it for me. Um, Michael Giacchino is a fantastic composer as well. He does this film so great. The Incredibles theme is like, if you hear it, boom, immediately. I recognize that. I vibe to this. So yeah, definitely um, The Incredibles. Just the scene when he, under, he is it Kronos? I think that when and Mr. Incredible realizes what Kronos is, like the music with that scene is just so good. The emotions there. Just the family dynamics there. Syndrome is a great villain. So definitely Incredibles for number two. I just love that film so much. And its sequel was really good. I just couldn't put it on my top ten. Cool. All right. My number two, I feel bad for Nathan going after me. Because we're about to talk about the the back-to-back same movies, I assume. Um, so number two for me is Toy Story. Bringing it back to the OG Pixar. Um, talk about childhood. This is childhood. I remember having this on VHS and having to rewind um, to restart it. But just Woody, Buzz, Rex, Slinky, like all the characters are just so iconic. Um, you know, just the original story is just fantastic. And, you know, getting into this universe of toys and everything is just amazing. 
Toy Story, number two. Yeah, well, it's it's as Nick knows me or something. Um, <laughs> Toy Story comes in second place for me. Um, talk about childhood nostalgia for me. This is mm-hmm. this is what I grew up on, and um, I just I love this movie till the time. Um, the characters mean so much to me, and just the story. The story is fantastic, and there's only one story in Pixar that's that's better than it. Um, so, really love this story. It's a true adventure film. It's a true friend film, and um, it's just it's so great. So, Phoenix, why don't you say why Onward is your number one? <laughs> uh, it is not, but I get the feeling that my number one will still irritate you all, and that is Toy Story three. Uh, Wow. Number one. Oh my God. Definitely uh, the best Boo. of the See, entire Phoenix just likes all these fake Pixar movies that get nominated for best <laughs> picture. All these fake best picture nominations. Sorry, Toy Story 3 is uh, the best of the Toy Story series, the entire wow. franchise. It is the most emotional, the most culminating. Wow. It tells the greatest story. Toy Story 3 is the best Pixar movie of all time. Of all time, <laughs> Brandon, take it away. <laughs> First two, <laughs> Toy Story three, um, everything wow. all together—the score, the acting, the emotion, yeah, the stakes. <laughs> My God, I cried like a little baby. <laughs> He's like, this is probably in my like, bottom three. Just, just letting you guys know. That's very that's cool. You have no heart. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, he's just like giving all his toys away. I'm crying and shit. And then, and then you see Woody's like so long partner. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you guys have never seen this next movie because this is the best Toy Story movie, Toy Story Two. Um, uh, that, so- um, that's in my honorable mentions. Oh, bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. It's in my honorable mentions. I love Toy Story 2, but Toy Story 3 is better. I just want to point out. Yeah, you know what's not my honorable mentions? Up, because it's trash. I just want to point out that we're talking about a lot of really emotional, uh, animated, probably children's movies, and we're all like, oh, fuck you. (laughs) It's just hilarious, but... uh, well, I'm sorry, Nick. You said Toy Story one is your number. No- uh, ah, Toy Story two. two is your number one. There it is. Not only the best Toy Story film, but the best Pixar film mm. ever. Mm. Best animated film, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Should have been nominated. This is this is this is talking about best picture stuff right here. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. Um, but this film's fantastic. We get some um, amazing new characters like Jesse. Um, yeah. I think this is Zerg's first time. It's been a long time since I've seen um, these two films, but um, we get the whole uh, chicken guy, that whole storyline, talking about crying like a baby, Brandon, that whole Jesse song. If you if you don't when cry during that, love. yeah, exactly. That's that's more emotional than than freaking Toy Story three. <laughs> Talk about you know burning in a fire. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll let Nathan go from go from there. Yeah, if anyone had any doubts, Toy Story 2 is my number one. This is a film that I absolutely grew up on, maybe more than the original Toy Story. So I definitely have a lot of nostalgia tied to it. 
But at the same time, um, this is still a movie that I adore and, and think is still the best Pixar movie, even with the age I'm at now. Um, I think just this movie never lets off the gas as far as fun, as far as what you want from a kid's movie. It does exactly that. They take all the characters and make them super likable, but at the same um, from the first one and just up how much uh, you like them in this movie. You get to know the side characters even a little more, like Ham and, and Rex and and those guys. I feel like the villain in Stinky Heat is actually a much better villain, and and Big Al is a much better villain than Sid. Um, so I, I just like the story a lot more. It's a rescue mission. It's a, it's a movie about friendship. And then there's even a couple of like real conversations that are important for anyone, no matter what stage of life you're in, like a conversation between Woody and Buzz, where he says, like, I came all this way to rescue you. And, you know, you taught me last movie about what it means to be a toy. And, and Woody, who was the teacher, is now the the one that you know doesn't see the light after him and buzz flipped roles it's it's just it just means so much to me and at the same time the story makes sense and of all the pixar movies that teach you lessons this is the one that does it the most so toy story 2 one of my favorite films of all time i think it's number seven right now uh it's just far and away the best pixar movie in my mind I think, like, Damn correct right. me if I'm wrong. I think like four of your picks belong to Toy Story. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They did. <laughs> so all four Toy Only Story two. films are. are well, on so your let's list. let's run through ten through one. Uh, Phoenix, why don't you start and just just say the the names? All right. So at number ten, I got Brave. Nine, Inside Out. Eight, Monsters University. Seven, the original Toy Story. Six, Monsters, Inc. Five, The Incredibles. Four, Up. Three, Coco. Two, Wally. And one, Toy Story 3. I know you will all agree with me because I am right. So there it is. The 10 best Pixar films ever made. <laughs> Brandon, go ahead. I'm expected, I was expected to remember all these top 10s. I went as soon as I looked at the movies. I didn't have them written down. Uh, I know number 10 was Ratatouille. I know number nine was Coco. Um, That's number eight. I I can't remember what number eight was. That's Uh, all right. Nick, did you write them down? Yes. So we got number 10, Coco. Number nine, The Incredibles. Number eight, Wally. Seven, Monsters University. Six, Monsters Inc. Five, Finding Nemo. Four, Cars. Three, Ratatouille. Two, Toy Story. And one, Toy Story 2. I remember now. All right, go ahead, Brandon. Okay, number 10 was um, Ratatouille. Number nine was um, Coco. Number eight was Wally. Number seven was um, Finding Nemo. Number six was Up. Number five was Monsters University. Number four was Toy Story 1. Um, Number, no, Switch. Number six was Toy Story. <laughs> Number five was Monsters University. Number four was um, yeah. something. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Number three. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Jennifer's Let body. me down. <laughs> Number three was Monsters Inc. Number two was Incredibles. Number one was Toy Story 3. There we go. 
All right. Well, um, sorry guys. That's all right. For my top ten, the correct one. Um, <laughs> it in the cellar. Last place is Inside Out. Um, number ten, Toy Story three. Number nine, Ratatouille. Eight, Incredibles two. Seven, Toy Story four. Six, The Incredibles. Five, Finding Nemo. Four car. Uh, I'm sorry. Four Monsters Inc. Three cars. Two Toy Story. And one Toy Story two. And then I emphasize again that Inside Out is the worst Pixar movie. All right, so. <laughs> you are now listening to Film Start program. Let's move on. <laughs> That uh, was fun. That was Phoenix, hilarious. This is your code word. Why don't you uh, tell the people what it was? All right. So, uh, yeah, it was my code word. So my code word this week was Oscars. Uh, it is a movie from 20, uh, 2010 to 2000. I'm oh, sorry, 2000 to 2010. Sorry. Uh, it is a ensemble cast and it is a musical. So... With those deliciously um, clear clues, uh, <laughs> what did you guys come up with? Nick, go ahead, kick us off. What is your guess for the code word this week? All right. So immediately with the code word Oscars, mm-hmm. um, you got to start looking at at the Oscars itself. Um, I'm a big fan of the best picture category as it is my goal in life to watch all 563 films ever nominated by for Best Picture. Um, so the year 2000 to 2010, I pick a movie in 2002 um, with the cast of Renee Zellweger, Richard Gere, Queen Latifah, John C. Riley, the musical Chicago. Nice. That is my guess. Good guess. Very good guess. All right. Brandon, what do you got? I also went with Chicago. Oh, you suck. <laughs> All right, Nathan, what's your pick? See, Phoenix, you think you're a sly dog when it comes to this because I remember you talking highly about a film back when we started the podcast. Um, I don't know if it was your What's Good. I don't remember, but I specifically remember you talking about this film called Chicago from <laughs> – 2002, directed by Rob Marshall. I remember you talking about it, and if that's what it is, we're all going to get some points. But even if it's not, you definitely hyped this movie up at some point over this show. Yeah. So that's what I'm – I have this gut feeling. Oh, man, I hate myself. I really thought I made this hard, but, yes, it is Chicago. Congratulations, guys. We finally did it. It took another six weeks. <laughs> but yes, we cracked the code. It was Oscars. It was Chicago. Uh, obviously, Catherine uh, Zeta-Jones won an Oscar. Renee Zellweger was nominated. Uh, Queen Latifah has been nominated for several Oscars. Uh, obviously, Rob Marshall was nominated for an Oscar. So, um, And Chicago won the Oscar for Best Picture. So yes, uh, that is that is. The ensemble cast, it is a musical, and it is from 2002. 
we did it finally yes way to go Let's update the leaderboard so I'm officially in first place now. Yes, so Nathan now has four. Uh, Nick, I believe, now has three. So we are tied, and Brandon has two. So moving up, there it is. It took so long. I'm so happy, uh, finally, that we got we cracked the code. All right, so uh, Nathan, is it your turn now? Oh, Nick, yes, it's your turn. Okay, sweet. Do you have, you don't have it. I do. Oh, exactly. wow. That's, that's, that's <laughs> how I knew it was me is because I have it already. All right. So for those of you who have been listening, every time it's my code word, I'm like, all right, well, see you next week because I never have it. <laughs> so super happy about, about having this one. So my code word for this week is wonder. It wonder. came out from 1990 to 1999. Oh, dear. Good old 90s movie. The director is featured in the film, whether that be in the lead, in the supporting cast. He is in the film. And it's a musical. Oh, nice. Are you going to lob out, like, on the show while we're talking about it? Another Um, clue that's going to just throw everyone off again? Like, oh, it's green, but it's also blue. and. No, well, there's two directors featured just, in the movie. Yeah, exactly. That just, <laughs> no. You didn't tell us before. You want to get no. anything else out of? Oh, no. okay. Okay. All right. So, Wonder, 1990 to 1999. The director is featured in the film, and it is a musical. All right. I'm super excited. Hopefully, we can start a new streak where we crack the code every week. That would be nice. Or. <laughs> Well, I'm not giving up the lead. I'm not giving up the lead, so right. you guys better fight it out for second place. Nathan's in the lead. Me and Nick are tied with three. Brandon is catching up. So, uh, Brandon, remind everybody where they can find you. You guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C Ears on Twitter. That's Fantasmic Ears. You can also find me there on Letterboxd, too. I'm actually starting to log my films uh, pretty more often. So, yeah, definitely check me out on Twitter and uh, Letterboxd at Fantasmic Ears. Thank you guys again for watching and listening. Um, it's great to be on again. Great to talk movies with you guys. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks. Nick, where can everybody find you? You can find me at Nick Spain on Letterboxd. The way you know you found me is I got a little flash by my name. Um, Nathan and I recently watched The Godfather. We're about oh, to start nice. Paul Thomas Anderson um, soon. So for all those fantastic movies follow along so you can see my thoughts probably some hot takes somewhere along in there all right and nathan where can everybody find you man yeah you can follow me on letterbox at nathan pig if you let me know that you're a listener to the show i'd be happy to to give you a follow back and yeah like nick said we're going to be watching a lot of great stuff so follow along for those potentially hot takes or great takes. Uh, make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at Film Code Pod. We do a ton of things to interact with you guys. You get free shout outs on the show, do exclusive things here with us, and just kind of be a part of Film Twitter. So make sure you follow us at Film Code Pod over there. However, you're listening to this right now, if you could please give us a thumbs up, a five star, however the rating system works on whatever you're listening to, we would really appreciate it. We're still trying to grow as a podcast, reach new audiences. And that goes a very, very long way. All four of us would greatly appreciate it. And thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Thanks, guys. And I'm Ben Phoenix Cloud, and you can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And you can find me on Letterboxd at PA Clouden. And you can also, like Nathan said, follow the show at Film Code Pod on Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Peace.